Welcome to the One Climbs Podcast, a show about exploring life through the lens of theology, scripture, symbolism, and ideas that uplift the human mind. Welcome again to the One Climbs Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Reed, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about prayer. Uh, there are some aspects of prayer that I find really fun to, to kind of think about, and this is a very big topic, and there, there are some other aspects that I want to get into uh, that I'm going to have to get into later uh, I wanted to start it off by going into core archetypes, talking about sound, vibration, and some of those things. And it's it's just not going to be it's not going to be practical to go into it right now. There's a lot of kind of information to compile and some thinking I still want to do on that. But I want to start out just kind of uh, going to the Bible dictionary uh, that that's in the scriptures of the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints and kind of read some some sections of it that I've always loved to kind of pour over and and think about and they've they've been really life-changing in terms of how they've impacted my own personal prayers. So uh, this this first little portion I want to share says um, as soon as we learn the true relationship in which we stand toward God, namely that God is our father and we are his children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. And many of the so-called difficulties about prayer arise from forgetting this relationship. Now in Jesus's ministry, he talked about how we pray and he, he gave this example. He says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so we're addressing our father. That means you, you don't even listen. When you think of that relationship, he's our father. We are his children. And a lot of prayers that I hear in church, uh, that I've heard come out of my own mouth that I hear come out of my children's mouths sound very much like an order is being placed. We thank thee, we ask thee. And those, you know, that kind of model is, is good if you're just starting out and you don't know where to start, but I, but I don't know, maybe it isn't good. What if we started out simply by saying, talk to him as if he was your father, what would you tell him? What's in your heart? And I think if we maybe practice stepping outside of that formality, I've done that in my own experience. I've just talked to God and I, I like to talk to God when I'm driving down the road, just going throughout my day. Um, sometimes it's, it's vocal. Sometimes it's just in my mind and just connecting or an event happens in my life. And like in the previous podcast, we talked about looking at events in life as communication between us and God, we reply through our actions. And so there's many different ways in which I try to kind of connect with God, um, let him know my heart and see if, if I can kind of get some sense of where his is, where his heart and mind are concerning my life and what's impacting me and the people around me. 
So this next part of the Bible dictionary says prayer is the act by which the will of the father and the will of the child are brought into correspondence with one another. So I really, really like this, this idea, correspondence, this, this exchange, this putting of minds on the same level where they can kind of communicate and mesh. And so you begin to realize that prayer, prayer isn't just saying things up to God and hoping he responds. It's a union of wills. You're seeking to unite your wills through this principle and this act. And so if you're thinking about it that way, it kind of changes a little bit of of your approach, right? Now, and think about it too, in terms of when you're praying with another person. So when you're praying, you can pray individually to God, but then we pray in these groups and we say amen afterwards, which is kind of like to borrow from Battlestar Galactic, you know, so say we all it's, we're, we're all saying this together as one. And that, that kind of, um, fits with what we're, we're talking about here. So when we pray in groups, we're not just trying to all pray at God or to him. We're, we're all, we're all trying to connect our wills together with God's will, a union of wills. And so prayer becomes a powerful instrument of connecting your will with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, family, the people around you, you can unite wills with people through this act of prayer, which is pouring our hearts out and trying to make transparent the feelings and the thoughts and everything that's, that's inside our wills and uniting those things. So it's such a cool concept to think about and and I've been experimenting it just for years and years of, of trying different things with prayer that I, you know, I, I haven't done in the past. One of those things was inspired by a single adult conference I attended here in Texas. Uh, you know, back before I was married, we had uh, this temple president come down and he called some, some of the young adults there up onto the stage. And he says, I want to teach you something about prayer. And he says, I want everyone to stand in a circle up here and hold hands. And typically in, in this church, it's not really commonplace for us to hold hands. I had, I grew up with, you know, Baptist friends and Catholic friends, and I'd be at their houses for dinner and we would hold hands for dinner. And, and I always thought that was kind of cool. I'm like, oh, well, why don't we do that? Oh, that's, maybe that's not how you pray. You know, I just, we all just folded our arms and closed our eyes and weren't really connected to one another. Kids were fidgeting, you know, people were doing their own thing and they were just trying to you know, hurry up, hoping that you don't get a, uh, someone who prays for a long time <laughs> or something like that. Hurry up. We want to eat dinner. Dinner's getting cold, things like that. And, and it's, there was something about that always kind of felt weird to me. Like there's something wrong we're doing here, right? Is it just me or what's going on here? So, uh, he asked everyone to hold hands and then he had one person stand in the middle and he says, all right, you're going to pray and 
everyone else is going to repeat the words of what you're saying as you pray. And these young adults were kind of going, well, okay. And he goes, no, offer a real prayer, offer a prayer to God. And so he would say a few words. The people in the circle would repeat. He would say a few words and they would repeat until he had finished the prayer. And they, and they all had collectively said, amen. And he goes, how was that experience different from how you typically pray in groups? And we had some conversations about that. And it, and it kind of struck me uh, that, that he would use this kind of example. And, and I remembered that for years and years. And then, um, you know, one night I was praying with the family and, and, uh, we each have a different day of the week to pray on. That's just how we do it. So there's six of us in the family and the seventh day is kind of like who, whoever wants to they take volunteers. And it was always difficult choosing someone like who wants to, who wants to pray now, who wants to pray now. So every, everyone just has a day. So my day's Sunday and my wife's Monday, and it goes from me and my wife, then oldest to youngest. And so that person will pray at every single prayer for the whole day. Um, whatever, whenever we're offering prayers, it's that person's day. And that's worked for us. We, we like it quite a bit. We kind of look forward to it. And I've, and the kids, uh, especially they're excited. They're like, they're defensive of their day to pray. This is my day. You know, I, I get to pray today. And so sometimes there's a little bit of contention over that. So maybe it's not the best thing, but, um, when it's your day to pray, you also get to choose how we pray. So I introduced the family prayer circle. And the first time we had a family prayer circle, we did it very similar to how the temple president had illustrated, except no one was really sitting in the middle. We, with, we have very few people, little kids with tiny arms, it wouldn't work. So we held hands and one person offered the prayer and everyone repeated the words of the prayer. And then we started experimenting around with it and trying different things. Well, what if we do this? And what if we do this? And so our favorite version of that right now is, is typically what we call the family prayer circle. And that's where we hold hands and the main person whose day it is to pray starts the prayer. And then what you do is you squeeze the hand of the person next to you when you're finished um, offering whatever it is is in your heart. Then the next person offers a prayer and the next person and they squeeze their hand and the next person they squeeze their hand. That's a little signal that lets you know it's your turn. And then the last person, um, they close out the prayer with amen. Now, the first time I did that, with the kids, their prayers instantly changed. They were incredibly heartfelt and they were thinking about things that they really cared and were passionate about. I was, I was actually kind of amazed at what a difference it made just by making one small tweak. The kids stopped fidgeting immediately we were all holding hands and we were united. And so now those are, I mean, those are just applications of the principle. There isn't any one best way to pray. I'm just, I'm just explaining something that we did that worked for us. And my only suggestion is to realize that the principle of the prayer, if you study the principle and, and look at everything God has revealed about it, then you could look at, well, 
how do I do this in my own practice? Now, this next portion, I, I think this is the last little section of the Bible dictionary. I'm just going to read it and then I'll come back to it. This is about praying in Christ's name. Now, typically uh, in this church, people will close their prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's kind of become a tradition. Uh, used to be in the church in the old days, they would just say amen. But I guess through time, it, it became kind of a tradition. And, and that's kind of typically what you'll hear people say today. And, you know, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. But here's what this says here. Christians are taught to pray in Christ's name. We are. But this is the difference. We pray in Christ's name, not just by saying, I'm interjecting a little bit here, not just by saying in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, but listen to what it says. We pray in Christ's name when our mind is the mind of Christ and our wishes, the wishes of Christ, when his words abide in us. We then ask for things it is possible for God to grant. Many prayers remain unanswered because they are not in Christ's name at all. They in no way represent his mind, but spring out of the selfishness of man's heart. Oof. Yeah, sometimes, and selfishness isn't always negative things. Sometimes we really want something we think is good for somebody because, because we think it's good for somebody. But what if that's not the mind of Christ? What if we're praying for someone to be blessed to live, but it's not the will of Christ for that person to live? It's time for them to come home. So how do we know? How do we know what the mind of Christ is? Well, through the scriptures, we can get insight into the mind of God through, through those scriptures. And also through what the lectures on faith refer to as, if you go to lecture five, just go to lecturesonfaith.com, go to lecture five, read it, and look at the title that's given for the Holy Ghost, what the Holy Ghost is called. It's called the mind of God and that the father and son share the same mind. Now we can also share that mind with them through the gift of the Holy Ghost, through the gift of the mind of God. So if we cultivate, cultivate the mind of Christ, when his wishes are our wishes and his words abide in us. We study his words, right? Not, not just reading them and becoming familiar with them, but really internalizing them. We go to church on Sunday and we partake of the body and blood of Christ represented by um, bread and then a cup, which contains the blood of Christ. And we partake of those things and they, we take those things in us. And the bread and the contents of the cup literally become part of our body through the process of nutrition. And that's meant to symbolize the, the life, the will, the commandments, the teachings, everything that is Christ coming into us and then becoming part of us, absorbing him into us and becoming more and more Christ-like. So it's very critical that that we involve Christ in our prayers so that our prayers are truly in his name. They're not just in his name because we say they are at the end of a prayer. I can say 
anything in a prayer and it could be completely inappropriate and I can close it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that doesn't mean anything. I can also just throw out a bunch of these hopes and wishes that may not represent the mind of Christ and say that it's done in the name of Christ, but still it's not. So praying in the name of Christ is preceded by a desire and a pursuit through your faith to understand the mind of Christ, the wishes of Christ, and to pull the words of Christ into our own consciousness and our own mind, then we will be able to pray in his name and ask for things that it's possible for God to grant. Now, let's go to the scriptures. So this is in the Book of Mormon. It's Alma chapter 34, I believe. And let me actually check on that real quick. I'm going to swing over and uh, my computer screen just went off. I, I should have done some, I should have written this down. Alma 34. Yeah, I was right. I had it right. So Alma 34 verses 17 through 27. Sometimes when I think about something, like I'll know something in my head, but then when I start to think about it and say, okay, is this right? Then it flees from my head and I instantly become, uh, unsure about it. It's this weird thing in my head. I don't get it. does it all the time. So if you see me forget something, I'll probably do this again later. It's kind of annoying. I'll try not to do it. So these verses in Alma 34 verses 17 through 27, these are, these are fantastic. And there was something I noticed about these just the other day, in particular at the end. And I don't know why I missed it before, but we have to define a very key word in here. So the verses begin, they were talking about calling upon God uh, in his holy name, that he'll have mercy on us. And there are several verses where it's saying, cry unto him for mercy, he's mighty to save. Cry unto him when you're in your fields and over all of your flocks. Cry unto him in your houses and over all of your household, both morning, midday, and evening. And cry unto him against the power of your enemies. Cry unto him against the devil who is an enemy to all righteousness. Cry unto him over the crops of your fields that you may prosper in them. And I thought about a lot, uh, that a lot in my business, about crying unto God over my business, right? Uh, but this is not all. You must pour out your souls in your closets, your secret places, and in your wilderness, and man, I've thought so much about that. I don't know that I have any deep insights on, on that aspect. Other than in the old world, the wilderness was the desert. And over here in the, uh, you know, Joseph Smith is translating this. He uses the word wilderness here. Wilderness was, you know, the woods and the thick brush and in these, these different places. You could be lost in the wilderness if you're traveling or you could... Um, not have access to resources in the wilderness like you would in your home. There are a lot of perils to being in the wilderness. And so closets, secret places, wilderness, these are maybe all times where you're alone. And when you're alone, I mean, you could be lonely. You could be removed from resources. There's a lot of things that could happen when you're alone where you'd cry out to God for different reasons other than when you're working or interacting with the people in your homes. 
All right, so verse 27, this is where this is where the new thing kind of struck me. So I've read these verses many times before. Yes, crying to him in all these different situations, right? And and these are really fun to kind of dig into. But here's what it says. 27. Yea, and when you do not cry out unto the Lord, let your hearts be full, drawn out in prayer unto him continually for your welfare and also for the welfare of those who are around you. And something just popped in my head that hadn't occurred to me before. And that is, and when you do not cry out unto the Lord. So I sat here thinking for a minute. I said, okay. When you do not cry out unto the Lord, let your hearts be full. So I said, so is there a difference between crying out to the Lord and not crying out to the Lord? I mean, it, if my heart is drawn out to the Lord, isn't isn't that crying out to him? Well, this is this is the part about this that I've been I've been kind of playing around with here in the last uh, couple of days. And it man, it's it's taking me into a, a place that's very uncomfortable, which is good. Um, I like, I like kind of stepping into uncomfortable situations spiritually. If I believe that there is a, um, if there's a good reason to do so. And this is one of those things. So I looked up the definition of cry and I, I, I looked it up in an 1828 dictionary and here's what it says to utter a loud voice to speak, call, or exclaim with vehemence, which is violence or great force to utter loudly, violently with great force to exclaim. I mean, that sounds like shouting at God. Like if I was to exclaim loudly, that doesn't sound like the types of prayers that I've been traditionally used to. I started thinking about this. Hmm. And then I, uh, I looked at the second definition here to call. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this word, right? Importunately, importunately, huh? The definition of that impor importunate, importunately is an adjective it means persistent especially to the point of annoyance or intrusion. Annoyance or intrusion, persistence, annoyance, or intrusion. So a loud voice with great violence or force to the point of an <laughs> persistently to the point of annoyance or intrusion. What I think about is my children. Um, they go, mom, 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 mom mom, <laughs> keep going. And then you hear what? It's almost like you become deaf to your kids sometimes. What, what is it? What, 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 what do you want? Tell me <laughs> what is it? Right. And we find that annoying, but here it seems that God wants us to do that with him. He wants us to, to loudly just belt out to the point of annoyance or intrusion, intrusion. That's man. That's a, a crazy word to include there to the point of intrusion. Like we're intruding upon God with our loud, um, energetic, uh, cries crying to God 
crying out to him in your houses, morning, midday, and night. And so I'm thinking, well, what does that look like? What does that look like for me? I don't even really know that I totally look, know what it looks like for, for the Nephites back then, except maybe in um, that one example of Nephi when all those secret combinations are going on and he goes up on the tower in his garden. You remember that? And he starts praying loudly, just crying out to God. And all of the people from, this, from the, the city or the town, they, they come to gather because they're like, whoa, what, what is he talking about? What's he saying? And they're listening to what he's saying and they're debating about it. And then Nephi kind of opens his eyes and sees this crowd who's gathered here because he was just passionately belting all of these things out. So what does that look like? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, man, that, that's just kind of really uncomfortable for me. I'm fine doing that in my car. Maybe I'll start there. I mean, I've, I've offered a few prayers like that in my car and yeah, very interesting, very different experience. Um, but in my family crying unto God over the, the people in my household, I mean, should we be, should we be crying out where, well, we're not afraid of people hearing us. We don't care what they think. Should they hear us crying out to God and hear the passion flowing from us? Or should we keep it bottled up inside and keep reciting these kind of rote prayers that are reverent and expected to where you can almost mouth off the words people are about to say. See, that's where I kind of grapple with this. I'm at this point here where this part of the scriptures just kind of opened up and I see something there that I, I didn't see before. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I, maybe I need to try some stuff with that. And so, Hey, I wish I could have come to you today with some answers and solutions. I might have to come back to you on that to see, give you a report on how that went. But this is just what's, what's fallen in my lap at this point in the journey. And I want to share it with you because, you know, maybe you're in a point in life where you don't feel like your prayers are being heard or prayer seems kind of awkward. There's some aspects of prayer here that I think could help us. I think sometimes we hold ourselves back from the Lord. We don't tell him all the desires of our hearts. We think it's embarrassing or we're inconveniencing him. He seems to want to be inconvenienced. Now that's making me think about how I am with my kids, right? When they come to me really whining, because kids do that naturally. And that's what we talked about in the beginning, right? The relationship between the father and the child. It should feel natural. And Jesus said, he talked about us becoming like a little child. So maybe, and then we have our own children we, we get older and we think we know everything. And then we look at our children and we, we get mad at them for whining at us. But maybe that's why God wants us to have children. Cause he's saying, now look at how they're coming to you. You're seeing things from my perspective. You're getting frustrated by that. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be. They're turning to you. They honor and respect you. They look to you as their source for life and everything. They're coming to you. How are you going to respond? How do you think? And then the father says to us, you know, in this hypothetical situation, think of how I, I'm going to respond to you. See, there's a disconnect. There's the way we interact with our kids and the way we interact with God, and they should be consistent. 
There should be a union of minds. There should be an evening out of things. And the way we cry out to the Father, if we can cry out to Him as a, a little child and be persistent to the point of annoyance, then looking down at our children, we see it reflected back to us and we complete this circle of understanding. And so anyway, I just kind of wanted to start off there and uh, share those, those ideas and thoughts with you. And hopefully you can get something out of this uh, and have some different kinds of experiences and maybe explore and experiment with prayer in ways that you haven't before and generate some new experiences with God and new experiences with your family that really make prayer a powerful part of your life. That's what I'm kind of taking with me that, that I've been kind of working on and, and, and am excited to explore more. So anyway, that is today's show. So I uh, just encourage everyone to keep climbing and take time to enjoy the view along the way.